welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Ahoy, hoy. And Daniel. Hey. And today, we have a special guest joining us, fan of the show, Aaron Bergen. How you doing, Aaron? I'm great. How's everybody? We can't complain. Called in the Neither big guns. Can I. Yeah. <laughs> and if I did, no one would listen. That's fair. <laughs> we just cut it out. Yeah. Today we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 16, which is held Middle of Nowhere. The episode aired on February 25th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Controversial rapper Eminem releases his first album under a major label, the Slim Shady LP. Mm-hmm. It was so popular that, that I was reading about it. It was so popular that they actually gave him his own sub-record label of Interscope Records. That's yeah. messed up. Yeah, yeah. Shady wow. Aftermath. Yeah. Real quick about that. Um, it's good that you mentioned that it was his first album under a major label mm-hmm. because yeah. back in 1996, he had the Infinite LP, right. which sold like five copies. <laughs> <laughs> this was the one that I remember like kids going around on the playground singing stuff they shouldn't have been. Singing. I was gonna say, how many 12 yeah. year old white boys discovered the N word for the first time this yep. week? Like, mm-hmm. or, or even for us, like I was in high school when that song came out, and we thought it was like we thought it was a joke, we thought it was like. Power 106 was like playing like a prank, you know, it was like a prank song. Right. And then it kept coming on and we were like, wait a second, this is real, y'all. This is happening. This is this is really a song. And then we got the album, we're like, whoa, this dude is on one. I love (laughs) (laughs) it. He's definitely got a pair on him to do what he did. Also generated three lawsuits, this album did. Really? Against Eminem, yes. Why am I not surprised? Yeah, only three. Wow. One by the most famously the one by his mom for ten million dollars. For what? He didn't win that one, right? For no, for slander because one of the one of the I guess one of the songs is focused on obviously his upbringing and how she was doing a ton of drugs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Fun yeah. times. Um, on February twenty fourth at the forty first annual Grammy Awards, Celine Dion's theme from Titanic. My Heart Will Go On takes home Song of the Year, while Lauren Hill led the way with five wins and ten nominations. Hot damn. Um, yes. While Payback made 220000 more over the weekend, Message in a Bottle made 150000 more for the whole week, so it retains the box office crown. I, I always check this. First time it's ever actually been been this close with Oof. two separate movies. Wow. Wow. That's, that's crazy. And I don't remember either. One I was gonna of those say, in two such like uh, no, I remember payback for sure. Uh, this was like pre, this was pre. We hate Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson. Right. And I believe, <laughs> I believe, uh, ER, um, ER star for one season, Maria Bello was in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure was. Yeah. Yes. I think I was just a little too young to be caring about Mel Gibson. Um, An Angel of Mine by Monica remains our number one song. I love that did. song. You mean as a child, you didn't love the torture scene in Braveheart? Come on. I've I've never seen Braveheart. I've only seen that scene. That's upsetting. I know. I'm just like, no, I have no desire to see the rest of the movie. That's like saying I've only seen the combat scenes in The Patriot. Okay, those are awesome. Those are really good, but still. Well, I don't know about really good. That might be another white people movie. Probably. Anyway, Daniel. (laughs) Daniel, what was on? At uh, 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with the Cop. At 8.30 p.m., Jesse with the episode, interestingly enough, titled Touched by an Angel. I really hope huh. 
touched Ooh. by an Angels episode that week was uh, titled Jesse. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, 9 p.m. Frasier with the episode Decoys. And at 9.30, Veronica's Closet with the episode Veronica's Little Tribute. Uh, this week, the first George Clooney-less week of ER, uh, we had 30.2 million viewers tuning in. Apparently, George Clooney and 5 million of his friends walked right out the door after last week's Oof. episode. This week's episode is directed by Jonathan Kaplan, uh, his sixth out of 40. uh, Previous one of his from this season was Hazed and Confused. And this week's episode is written by Neil, the team of Neil Bear, uh, doing his 14th out of 18. He also did Stuck on You this season. Uh, And Carol Flint doing her penultimate episode, 14th out of 15. She also did, she has been all over season five. Mm -hmm. She did Double Blind, Hazed and Confused, and Split Second. She was a showrunner for this season, right? I think, so, I think so. Yeah, she like I said, she is all over this season. I think she might even have one more before the season is out. Um, so she's wrapping up here. Um, as you might imagine, being this is kind of a bottle episode for Benton, we've got no Green, no Carter, no Carol, and no Lucy this episode. All credit mm-hmm. only. Um, and being that most of this episode takes place in Mississippi, air quotes, uh, most of Mississippi air quotes was actually florida uh and some of the scenes were filmed at weirdly enough disney mgm studios probably uh, the song of the south back lot oh Jesus. <laughs> that it's funny the the actual like we'll get we'll talk about it when we get to it but the the spot that benson goes to on the boat they were like they're pretty nobody knows for sure like nobody's actually gone and clocked it but um they're pretty sure that the the house that he goes to on the boat is part of the lot somewhere like it's part of the disney mgm lot somewhere so you might be onto something there they've, but mm. they've they've retrofitted a lot of those lots so it's entirely possible it's gone by now yeah um and aaron one, i'm gonna oh sorry go ahead one can only hope yes um, god and aaron i'm gonna apologize to you right now because you're doing this having not had to hear our entire clooney a thon from the last two episodes because oh i'm waiting to hear it and i heard it's going to be glorious it's it's huge so just um just thank you for putting up with the fact that you're time traveling and both recording with us now and also not being caught up on episodes because of our release schedule so akuna matata we appreciate it um with that, do we want to get into the episode, or do sure. we want to let Aaron talk a little bit about his history with well, the show real quick? for this episode, I hope you like racism. <laughs> well, mm, mm, Lizzie, it's, we're, we're ten minutes in, and I'm already ready to take my headphones off and leave. You just, that's, that's a record. That awesome. is. I'm going to high-five you. You, you mm, I can't. I mean. I, I, I okay, Um, I yeah. don't. Uh, Neither do uh, I, I'm just saying. I'm speechless. I was trying to be polite and let Aaron talk a little bit about his history with ER, and you just completely <laughs> blew me out of the water with I that. I have to so. get my jokes out while I can. So. That is... I don't this know, is a very was, heavy was, episode. That was, was that well a, played. That was well played, but could one call that a joke? Aaron. You know what they say so about Aaron, how you doing? a lot of truth and jest. Uh-huh, fair. Um, but yeah, Aaron, if you want to go ahead and give us a little spiel on your history with ER and, you know, why, why you're letting us, uh, pick your brain for this episode. Okay. So it's so funny. I mean, I'm, I'm 39 and ER, um, ER first started airing when I was in middle school and in high school. And I did not watch a single episode, partly because it was past my bedtime. And then when I got into college, I just was too busy. But back a year ago, um, during the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, I got COVID-19 in June 
yeah, in June of 2020. And so I was quarantining with my um, son, my my old, my firstborn, who also, he, he actually gave it to me. And so we were quarantining in the room. And then one day at around three o'clock, I just was totally uncomfortable in the bed, couldn't really go to sleep. And I turned on pop TV and there was a really old episode of ER and I started to watch it. And I was like, this is really good. Maybe it's like close enough to the beginning that I can like start watching it. And so I looked up the episode and it was episode four. I believe it was, um, it was uh, the one where Carter had to find uh, had to find the dead, uh, the dead kids' parents. Oh, hit and run. Yep. yep, 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 yep. Hit and run. Yes. And so I was so enthralled by that episode that I just started watching, and watching, and watching. And I would wake <laughs> up during the ten day quarantine every day at three o'clock in the morning because Pop TV's um, airing on the West Coast starts at three. Right. And you know, I got pretty deep into season two when I got out of quarantine hopped on Hulu, started watching, uh, is watching it on Hulu and finished the entire run in about seven and a half weeks. I mean, I was like, that's, that's like me with Grayson. Yeah. Last yes. <laughs> I, I, I can tell like season 15, I banged that out in two days. I was just sitting. Damn. Yeah. Just 10 hour days, just watching it, just popcorn, the whole thing. And so it, it, it was so good the first time around that I started watching it a second time and I just wanted to see if there was any fandom out there so I could get more, you know, just a be- a deeper look into the show. And that's when I stumbled upon your podcast. And I was just like, I, I enjoyed it from, from Jump Street. I-, I started listening to it. I found you on Instagram. I started bugging the hell out of Daniel. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's, it's just been, it's been a great uh, part of the last year and a half of my life. I mean, uh, it's the, the fun, the, I, I guess the fun thing about it is like, I've been watching ER and I've, I, I live here, you know, my wife, my daughter, and now my son's off to college. He, he's a, a college basketball player, but my wife can't stand blood. So ER is like a hard <laughs> no for her. Uh, my daughter is like, Dad, you love the show too much. It kind of annoys me how much you <laughs> love it. And my son's off to college. So having you as an extended family has mm-hmm. been like amazing. I mean, and meeting and listening to and, you know, reading some of the thoughts of all the other people who follow the podcast, it's kind of created like this extended family. One that I wish I had for my other favorite show, Law and Order, but alas. I haven't really looked into <laughs> you, that too much. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Lizzie watched so much Law and Order after school and stuff that if you need to talk Laura, Law and Order, just just get it, Lizzie. You Honestly, you do you do know well, that they're starting in February, right? They're what? They're restarting. They're restarting it in February. <laughs> but there's no Jerry Orbach. <laughs> there hasn't been Jerry Orbach for quite some time. But they're I know, restarting. and that's why the, that's why seasons like fourteen. I think, 13. 13 or 14? No, no, no. It's like 15 or something on no. our hot seasons, garbage. Seasons yeah. 14 through 20 are not bad. The, there's one bad season, and that's season 17, where uh, that was right after uh, Joe Fontana's character departed. Um, so once, and then they brought in uh, Milena Govich to play Nina Cassidy. That one season, Cassidy season, is like that's armpit bad. It's just like <laughs> funky. It's just, just we can't. We, we, you know, and, and of course they disappear. 
you know, the one of the things I love about this podcast is when you guys talk about um, people just randomly disappearing from the show. Getting bobbed. Yeah, yeah, getting bobbed. Like, very few characters in Law & Order get bobbed. They bobbed the hell out of Nina Cassidy. Like, <laughs> no mention at the beginning of season 18. But I actually really do like that last, those last three seasons with Anthony Anderson and uh, Jeremy Sisto. By the way, Jeremy Sisto, that's a good-looking dude, man. <laughs> Rolling with the homies. That's a, it's a, it's a fairly good-looking guy. So I love those three uh, those three seasons. I'm excited that they've, um, I, I guess, Jeffrey Donovan is going to be playing one of the uh, cops. And, you know, he, he actually had some history with Law & Order. He was in a few of the episodes, including the one where he, like, killed somebody because he thought that uh, he was teaching his daughter evolution. And he played like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what? it was crazy. Was, the episode was called Good Faith. Um, mm. And oh, Daniel. Yeah. Can, yeah. Yeah. He's, We're you both know, Googling. He, yeah. So, of course, and, and Daniel knows that's the one weird thing about Law and Order and me. Like, I, I can name every single episode from season five to season 20, like, in order and without even looking at IMDb. Can, so, yeah. can confirm he has done that for me. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. If if you need to chat Law and Order, Lizzie's your I'm person. not that big. I'm no. not. I'm nowhere but, near that But level. you have fond <laughs> recollection of it. We'll, so. we'll have some fond recollection. But no. But back to this show, it's been, yes. really, it's been awesome. I love the podcast. I think you do an amazing job bringing back the nostalgia for each of these weeks. I love it because I'm a little older than you. And so some of these songs that we mentioned in the top or like these <laughs> moments, I like vividly remember like Lauren Hill winning five mm-hmm. Grammys for the miseducation of Lauren Hill. I mean, that was like the biggest thing for me back in high school, watching her just walk away and just clean the Grammys out. You know, or, or Angel of Mine being played in my homecoming, or yep. my heart will go on, making me want to barf after like the <laughs> 1,985th time you heard it on the radio. And of course, you know, just immersing yourself in the in that nostalgia as you re, you know, revisit all the different nuances of each episode. It's it's you guys do an amazing job. Um, can, bravo! So I'm glad to be. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to cry. Um, but no, we are very lucky to have such a such a well-fostered and growing community such as yourselves. Because y'all spoil us. Mm. A little bit. Um, I'm going to actually take us in now. Otherwise, we're going to talk about Law and Order for an yeah. hour. Daniel's going <laughs> to kill us. Um, so we're brought into this episode with our previously on by Mark, which makes no sense because he's nowhere to be found. Um, we have Corday and Benton are at the Chicago Brown Line stop chatting we find out that benton is planning on going to rural minnesota he's getting ready to leave for his flight and corday offers to help him watch reese because he says the scheduling has been a little weird with carla and with jackie that he can't quite you know make things work so corday's just like yeah i'll watch your kid that's not weird (laughs) i got this it's fine so yay he's got backup he can go and hang out um, I feel like she's a capable yeah, no, babysitter. She's, she's great. I'd love to. I'd love to have hang out with Lizzie Corday and just have her babysit me. Um, as a child, okay. As a child, <laughs> let me. Everybody took that weird. As a child, um, but then so Benton goes into the office and Shirley is teasing him about the cold in Minnesota, saying he better pack his long johns. He's like, "Are you kidding me? I'm wearing them." <laughs> it's like, "Hey, you live in Chicago. You know what's up." But then Romano comes in to ruin everything like Romano so often does and tells him that he's changing locations. He is not going to Minnesota. He is going to Laverne, Mississippi, in the Deep South. 
Yippee! And Romano tells him also that he is a shoe in for the Cardiothoracic Fellowship. As a nice way to kind of, you know, butter that toast and be like, hey, you know, this sucks, but if you do it, I might get your hopes up. Go have already, fun. Already getting your hopes up. Yep. <laughs> then we go over to uh, Jeannie. She's grumpy that she has to be wheeled out of the uh, hospital. Ben bails her out so she can walk. Ben just sort of like dismisses the orderly that's <laughs> bringing Jeannie out and then just lets Jeannie get up and <laughs> walk out. They talk about her uh, hep C and her treatment plan, and we learn that Jeannie has family all over Mississippi, and she offers to give him some phone numbers, and she asks that her she asks him not to mention her HIV status to any of them. She seems awfully confident that he's going to run into some part of her family. Yeah. Like I guess it is a small town, yeah. but uh, yeah. so we then we, we do a quick flash from there to Benton getting in a cab to him standing on the side of the road with a broken down car. Uh, they, they do a very good job of making this look hot and miserable, like, mm-hmm. immediately. This dusty and brown and awful. The sweat stains. And, of stains. course, the score, the score works, too, with the twang and the cowboy, mm-hmm. you know, that, that drawling blues music. Oh, yeah, I really, I really wonder how much of this was stock music versus how much maybe Martin got to stretch his legs this week and play around, you know, and do something different. I, I would... I, would be one of the things I would like to ask him about. Do do some interesting diegetic sound. Yeah. Um, so he tries to hail down some help, and two rednecks do a slow drive past and then speed away, not doing shit. As Lizzie said, and, hope you're ready for racism. And we immediately knew what kind of episode this was going to be. <sighs> yeah. So he has to walk, yep. walk into town past a sign that says, Keep Mississippi Beautiful. I just, I want to note here, I was like, wow, if that's not some subtext, I don't know what is. Is the Rednecks drive past and we see the Keep Mississippi Beautiful sign with him walking down the road? I was like, oh, baby, you're, Peter, you're not in for a good time here. No, there there will be lots of hard ERs and I'm not talking about the show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's the one, that's what I would say, that's the one thing that, they, there's no mention of that word, so which. Yep. Oh, yeah. there were some people that wanted to say it. Oh, oh, yes. oh most definitely, oh, yes. most definitely. And and we'll get there. That yeah. you can you it's it's they said that they kept the quiet part quiet, but yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I I wonder how much of that too was like, you know, were they writing it with the intention of keeping that word out of it, or did they write it and then have to retrofit it for network television to where we're not allowed to I... say that. I feel like I've seen network. I I I don't. Maybe that's because I watch too much prestige TV on like cable. But I was like, I feel like I've heard that word back in the day on TV as part of like just episodes, like when they're trying to make this kind of point. But I mean, I they used it in they used it in tribes. You know, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. That's, that's right. That's you're absolutely yeah. right. They sure did. Yeah, so yeah, right. there's there's clearly not a. It's not a taboo. They can't not say it. So, yeah, I don't so, know. So, as always, my, well, they can't not say it. Cause, mm, but, well. um, as always, my memory is half working, and I knew I heard it somewhere. Um, <sighs> uh, but, yeah, so we go straight out of that uh, shot into the bangs uh, to the new, shiny new Clooney-less credits, which was very weird and jarring to see. Like, you I got very I used was... to seeing that face. I was watching specifically, like, is he gone? Is he gone? Oh, yeah. They don't fuck around with the credits. As soon <laughs> yeah. as somebody's gone, they are out. 
they haven't exactly retimed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So no. where Clooney was in the credits, there's just like a weird like flash empty screen. space. Yeah, yeah, and then it goes to the next person. It goes to Noah Wiley, and you're like, okay, we know he's gone now. It's yeah. official. <laughs> it's real now. I, you know, it's crazy. I thought it was weird because you know, flash forward a couple of years. Um, after Mark's death, they didn't remove Mark from the credits for that last episode of mm-hmm. um, hmm. of what lockdown. He still right. he was still in that uh, season finale. Interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah, just, I don't remember just, that. Maybe maybe it's based off like the percentage of the season that you're a part of or something, or uh, maybe they just or, maybe they just tightened it up a little bit and decided that he was close enough, so he just gets right. To be on the last it's, episode. It's, yeah, that's the next to the last episode of the season. The, the 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 person who's in charge of fixing the intro is like, "Look, man, I'm not working on a weekend. You're, you, <laughs> you can you can you can slip by with one this. episode." Yeah, we're fixing this shit in September. Come on now. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Uh, but we get back to the episode. Betton is walking into town with some blues playing. A sign in the background says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Nope. Nope. In case nope. you're wondering what kind of town we're headed into here. And it's not even like outside a church. It's just by the gas station. Oh, my goodness. Like, oh. Yeah. This is, this is somewhere. I Nope, I'm good. That well, sign get, is... I've, that sign still, you know that sign is still there, right? I mean, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just LED yeah. now. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Cold. No, that, seen... a lot of people, a lot of people during the pandemic, you know, that's, that's, that, that's what they're on down there. You know, I mean, they're... I'll tell you, even, even in rural Michigan, like when we drive up to go see my, to go like do our vacations, there's some spots mm-hmm. when you get into the countryside <laughs> up North. I was, I was going to say like even Benton's original destination, rural Minnesota, Ain't much better. Like it, it yeah. just yeah. instead of rednecks, we got slednecks, but they're exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. I haven't heard that one. That is, that is that is an official term here. Slednecks. Excellent. Well, there we go. And there's a uh, there. He comes up to a shop, and there's a black man sitting in front of it, who is played by played by uh, oh hey, definite oh hey it's that guy for me uh, Whitman Mayo, which is just an A tier name like why mm-hmm. is his character name whitman mayo because his character name is the very by comparison plain and boring jesse morgan uh but whitman mayo was uh had a recurring role on the tv series sanford and son he was also in the movie boys in the hood uh, as well as dc cab and uh as you might imagine by his age in this episode did pass away in 2001 but very distinctive looking gentleman uh both in face and voice like he just yes. kind of has a distinctive presence about him I, I remember the episode. I mean, I remember Boys in the Hood. He was the guy that was standing around when Lawrence Fishburne was giving his speech about gentrification and mm. telling them to invest, reinvest in the community. And he was the old cranky guy who basically said, you know, white people weren't messing with the neighborhood. It was the little hoodlums. And he pointed to like some gang gang members who were there, like you guys are the ones, you know, bringing it down. And, you know, Lawrence Fishburne had to break down the whole thing of how gentrification works and how, you know, how black people didn't bring crack into the hood. We don't have no boats. We don't have no planes. And I, as soon as I saw Jesse Morgan, I was like, that's the dude from Boys in the Hood. Totally remembered him. Yeah. Is it was that's... it this year or last year that that movie turned 30? Uh, this year. 91. This year. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, because I, I, re- I went back yeah. and rewatched it after uh, our other uh, our one of our favorite podcasts 302010 when they talked about the 30th anniversary i went back and watched it and i just was like i just forgot what a good movie that is like i haven't seen it in so long i have to revisit it 
Do you want to add that to the list of movies I'll never remember to get around to? Yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Aaron, hold me to that. If you don't see me tweet about it in a week, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Um, but he finds out, but Benton finds out that, no, he's in Laverne. This is the town. There's not even a stop sign or a stop There's, light. This is it. It's a convenience store with like one gas pump out front. And then right next to it is the clinic. There's no hospital there. He's working in the clinic. And he meets the nurse practitioner who runs it, uh, Maureen Chapman, who was played by... Played by actress Celia Weston, who appeared in uh, the movie Hulk 2003 version. Uh, Yikes. <laughs> uh, night and day and in the bedroom she is probably i would say our most recognizable face this episode other than maybe um whitman mayo um definitely kind of the she's the guest star i think yeah um, i recognized her from runaway jury um okay. the very end of the movie ha- have you guys seen runaway jury i have not mm-hmm. oh I'm not, I'm not worried about spoilers go oh, for it so but good, and we so will watch good. it no, so she, he, she plays the mother of Rachel Vice's character, who mm. Rachel Vice and uh, John Cusack are rigging a jury, uh, trying to rig a jury. Okay, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that movie with uh, Gene Hackman. And so at the end of the movie, you get the big reveal that Rachel Vice's twin or older sister had died in a, in a school shooting, and the town tried to sue the gun manufacturer and the town lost. And so like they realized very quickly what the two were up to. And yeah, they actually pulled it off. It's a real, I mean, I love it. It's based off of a, I want It's not a John Clancy novel, but it's uh, who, who wrote, who wrote the, the fugitive? Uh, is it Cl- was, is it oh, Tom Clancy? John, no. Grish- John Grisham. 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 It's a Grisham novel. Thank you. Yeah. But it's a great movie, but I remember her, she was, you know, she had the same drawl as she does in this movie. She's like, she froze. My poor baby, she froze. I was like, and as soon as you hear that voice and it's just so recognizable and the snaggle tooth, I mean, yeah, she's, yep, that's my girl. She's awesome. <laughs> All right, and he, finds out, he also finds out that the nearest hospital is uh, 80 miles away. God damn. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty, that's I imagine that's and, pretty common. And, and when we see that hospital later, ah, it's a hospital. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has a surgeon. Yeah. So. This this clinic is a room. Yeah. 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 And she's and he was like, well, where's the doctor? And she was like, Dr. Benton, you are the doctor. The way I said that, it's like, you are the father. <laughs> you are the father. And her son uh, is one of the racist ass white people that drove past him on the road um and he's like well what, what the hell's going and do people just congr like what do you because she's like treating people outside and she says oh yeah folks sit out here and you see him inside and i want to note this clinic is almost on par with some of the clinics we see in the africa episodes like this is not much better than what they're working on when when they're over in um what is it darfur yeah in darfur uh, yeah i think so uh, yeah. darfur so, like, Nani. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so like when you talk about they're in the middle of nowhere, they're in the middle of nowhere. Ooh. And um, like you, you have the the obviously the the racist guy and the the, the kid and and the other guy who driving the truck that we never really see again. And there's a few other like um, white folks sprinkled around that are here to here to never let you forget that the racism monster is never too far out of the focus, but something that kind of gets lost with 
people like us who live in big urban areas or in the northern part of the country is that we can very much it's easy to paint the south with a really broad brush and think that Mm -hmm. it's all just backwards ass white people and that's it when in reality a lot of these communities are communities of color that are just completely left behind almost to the point of being a third world country especially because you know Jim Crow never really went away. No, it didn't. But, it, it, you know, when it's it, when we because I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, like getting frustrated, you know, come, usually come election time when, you know, mm. places like Alabama and Mississippi and, you know, um, just that whole section of the South down there where it's just it's very easy to think of everybody in those places as, you know, your Mitch McConnell's and your Lindsey Graham's of the world yep. who are they're the ones pulling the strings. But the people who are actually affected by the stuff that they do are people like, you know, Mr. Morgan and some of the other patients that Benton sees in this episode, people who have no control over their situation. And totally so, agree. Yeah. as ham fisted as this episode gets, sometimes I do think it also does a really good job of portraying that, that. Yeah, they definitely do a great job of the classist breakdown, too. For sure. Well, and calling Benton, Benton out on his shit. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I was going to say, that's the first dichotomy you see. It's like Benton and his, you know, uppity, you know, Chicago ass, <laughs> you know, talk basically talking down to the entire community of Laverne. Um, you know, yeah. just, and it's a, it's, it's an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. And, you know, I've been to a couple of those towns where, you know, not only are they still very racially separated, but once you cross into the black side of town, you realize that, wow, like nothing has changed since 1910. They're this, you know, it's a, it's a different world for sure. Yeah. Gerrymandering's done its job for the conservatives is what you're saying. (sighs) Oh my word. Yes. They're bag of cats. (laughs) Yeah. So don't get me started on that. Yeah. Okay, we won't. We'll save that for a bonus episode when we can just rant about racism for an hour. Let's do um, it. All right. Um, but then we go on to Benton seeing his first patient, which gives a little sprinkle of comedy for, for us here as a deep breath before we get into, you know, shit. Um, and it's this little old woman trying to figure out if she knows any Bentons in the area. And she's just not listening to Benton actually ask her questions about, like, what's going on. Uh, Mrs. Johnson, she's not really straight with what her medical complaint is. She's just kind of keeps getting sidetracked and is just this adorable distracted little old lady um and we don't we don't find out what's up with mrs johnson she's just an intro to the community um we see mr morgan he's got a really really grody ulcer on his leg benton tells him to wash it three times a day and stay off of it yeah i think and it's like on the side of his foot it's on it? the side yeah. of the ankle, oh, okay. right by the ankle Tiny bone ankle, okay can, and he, can i jump in here real quick yeah, yeah please all right, this is where this is one of the things about this episode that made me kind of uncomfortable. Uh, the the two uh, Jesse and Mrs. Johnson, how we're first introduced to them, I, I almost felt like they were such overly stereotypical Southern mm. black folks, and it almost gave me I'm gonna, I got a super mammy vibe from uh, from mrs johnson and you know i I got a super just like just super bojangles 40s this is how you know hattie mcdaniels you know how this is how we this is how we view southern black folks 
that bothered me a little bit. Those those two yeah. characters. The the we we see a few characters moving forward that are a little more contemporary in their uh, in their portrayals. But I, I got I was talking to Daniel when we t- um, talked about me being on a podcast. One of the mm-hmm. things I said was this episode reminds me of a Family Guy episode where it's it's the whole feeling like if we we're we're going to insult everybody so nobody can say they were singled out and, and insulted so we're going to throw we're going to have some real stereotypical rednecks and we're also going to have some real stereotypical portrayals of of black southerners and both are both are in, in my in like i i felt like cr- they they were all really cringeworthy but it, it's the same like i watch family guy to this day it works in a in a weird way because mm-hmm. you know the whole episode is just one big ass stereotype yeah i definitely could see that with mr morgan thank you for sharing that about mrs johnson because i just looked at it as you know kooky old lady so thanks for pointing that out because i totally just i whiffed past that one but um i'm i was just ex- i was just relieved that this was also not a christmas episode because of how ham-fisted those can get that they absolutely <laughs> would have turned mr morgan into the magic black man trope like oh, he would have he, abs- he already he would have been he santa already- claus in disguise and he would have cured racism and he would have sent benton back off to to chicago with like a pinch on the cheek and a smile like it would have and the little the little girl would have gotten all her diabetes supplies yes, forever. They, they, this, they could have taken this episode and just like cranked it up even higher. Yeah. Um, but so as, as Benton is looking at Mr. Morgan, uh, we see Mrs. Johnson come back out with her urine. Sample. Oh, yeah. she's, like, she's like, where do you want me to put this? And he's like, Oh, uh, leave it, leave it in the back and we'll send it out to the lab. And she's like, the fuck are you talking about? I get my results immediately. Uh, Maureen r- runs them for me. You do the test yourself. And he's like, fuck. All right. And then he gets up, kind of just wipes his hands off on his pants and goes inside to go deal with it. And it's just like, you can tell the reality. Slap him in the face right there. Just the beautiful, oh, we'll send it to the lab and get it to you tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, sweetie. That's not where you are. Your nearest hospital is 80 miles away. You don't have no fucking lab. <sighs> yeah. So uh, let's go into our first audio clip. Benton is at dinner with uh, Maureen Chapman and her family. Well, how about the grains? You can pick out the ham hocks. Oh, thank you. I just have another biscuit. After Dr. Rajiv, he lasted about a month. Sort of gave up. It's hard to keep a doctor here. Well, I can see why. No offense. Oh, none taken. Well, he was doing fine till you thought she's more stubborn than that mare. Fractured your leg, huh? Ligaments in my knee and a herniated cervical disc. I guess it's lucky that you don't mind Lord. I'm sorry you missed your son. What, had he gone to bed? I heard you send your love. No. <clears throat> My son is deaf, so the phone is of no use to us. I had arranged for a video phone hookup in the hospital in Minnesota. But I guess you don't have one here, huh? Maybe, in Green Cove. Now, did you, Sonny, get you settled in the trailer? I don't work for him. Maybe you saw the motorhome behind the clinic. I'm afraid it's a little cozy for a man your size. But... It'll be fine. And take care when you open the door. Or did you get it grounded, Sonny? The the comedy beat in there I'm going to pull out first is, well, at least you don't mind lard. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
for super vegetarian, nearly vegan Benton. Oh. Just like, she's like, you can pick the ham hocks out of the greens. (laughs) Benton was not having a good time at that dinner table. No. No. I would have a great time at that dinner table. It all sounds delicious. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, get the distinct feeling, though, that she can't cook. Right. (laughs) Get that distinct feeling that she's just like not on her game. You know, she's she's the only medical uh, resource for this entire community. She can be she could be forgiven for not having time to cook a full meal on her own. And she's on one leg. Yeah. 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 Her her bumpkin son can handle it. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe it's the son doing it, and he's a shitty cook. (laughs) Maybe he's he's intentionally shitty. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. A little bit of arsenic. Flowers in the attic. I love, I love, oh, I love how God. the, <laughs> I love how the main, oh. the main problem with the uh, motorhome is not that it's got a cramped, cozy bed, but that it's not grounded. Grounded, <laughs> right? <laughs> could li- they could literally kill him if he tries to open the door. Seriously, don't touch the metal freaking motorhome because oh you're gonna God. burn up and die. That's insane. Ugh. And you know, and you know, Sonny did not ground that. You knew he did. Pro- no, probably not on. No. Probably on purpose. It's, like, it's not my fucking job. <laughs> oh my god. That's that's one of those moments where there's that that hard word. Oh yeah. Sitting unsaid when he's like, he's Kinda not the boss of hanging me. Hanging there in the air. <laughs> uh, right there. Yes, he yep. was. Oh yeah. Ooh, Sonny. Which I, I I did look as I do for most of our minor characters in every episode and uh, Sonny here believe it or not this was his one and only acting role. <laughs> so. He okay, so I was art imitated life. Uh, yikes! Oh. I was wrong then because I thought he looked just like one of the minor characters on True Blood who plays a very yes. similar yes. role. I thought he looked familiar from that show. Maybe it's just because two it's, southern shows. It's two southern shows, and he's he plays. Pretty, it would yeah. be pretty much the same character, just a shitbag. So I I was wrong because I was looking and I was like, I'm gonna see it. Daniel's gonna put it on the credits, and I'm gonna go no, fuck this is, yeah. This true was blood. his one and only acting credit, and he um he, he had one of those very like Gulf of uh, Mexico southern kind of names where it's like three names, or it was like John David something mm. or other, you know. So like he had this very. It wouldn't surprise me if as they were doing like location shots or, or uh, location scouting or something that this kid was just like a local. I, I will say this, though, because we've gotten yelled at this before. Just because he didn't go on to have a successful acting career does not mean he didn't probably no. have a fulfilling life. No, that's very true. Because people have yelled at us when we say, oh, they didn't go on to do no, shit. I, as an so. actor, this was his one and only appearance. <laughs> just just covering our bases. But uh, as as mentioned, we get the uh, very cozy bed in the motorhome. We get to see Benton with his feet up on a chair, uh, ex- artificially extending the cot in this uh, motorhome. Uh, which, I, as a as a taller guy myself, I feel that pain. Like especially especially in in cramped little uh, motorhomes or cramped little campers like that. I, I love being five four. Daniel, how tall are you? Uh, six one. Okay. So generally, campers, if they are fit for somebody like. Uh, somebody my size it's usually six feet is the max so and you so, and me are both you you and me would both not have a good time in that thing. no i'm no. i'm but i'm six four three hundred pounds so yeah you I'm, would you'd be yeah. just like benton you'd you'd have your you'd have your feet on the the chair <laughs> at the end. i i'd be fine the three of you all would be struggling i'd yeah. be good i was gonna say yeah lizzie you're taller than i am i'm yeah I'm, no you're a, like a hair taller am i yeah you're a hair taller i'm six foot dead on six foot okay well, yeah. 
Uh, we don't get uh, too much of Benton. To, we don't get to see Benton sleeping too much because he is awoken uh, by a bottle being chucked at the door as a truck drives by, which sounds like a bomb went off. Like it has, it makes mm-hmm. an awful sound. Yes. Um, and Benton goes outside to investigate. Uh, sees a truck just out of just driving out of eye shot. Uh, at 11.50, I want to point out for at least the second time on the show and maybe the third time, I'm not sure. I know of one other time specifically I can think of and something in my brain is telling me that there was a third time. Uh, Benton clearly says shit as he uh, steps <laughs> on the, the glass and realizes what he's done. Uh, so we got at least the second S-bomb from Benton since he's been Nothing on Nothing like a little harassment. Yeah, it brings it out of you. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, the next morning, goes to Maureen's and sees some parents asking her health questions, uh, as it seems that not all of the residents of Laverne are making their way to the clinic. You think? Yeah. Racism. Real subtle there. Some of, some of them are taking house calls a little bit literally, going directly yeah. to the uh, nurse practitioner's house. Uh, and he says, half my patients are coming here. And uh, he, rightfully so, uh, I'm totally in support of this decision, by the way. Benton decides uh, that he's going to bail and that they don't need him here and that he is just going to let them get by with a nurse. Uh, it, so You know what? And, and the thing that bugged me about that scene, like Maureen, Maureen tried to make it seem like, like you know, it's it's not just about race, you know. Yeah. Like, you, can, you know, they got to warm up to you. Like, bitch, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> if you were if you weren't so uppity chicago yeah. maybe they'd like you more it's like no it's because he's it's because i'm Shut black up. like come on now like there's no other reason that all these white folks are just walking over to you after you specifically said i'm on a bad leg please go to dr benton like come on now let's just let's end the charade we know what it, what it is and benton totally was in the right like get your ass out of this town go back to shy let's go Don't get out of here don't you know we got 30 more minutes to fill? We got to cure racism, honey. <laughs> I want that as a sound clip for any time ER does this at all. Just We got to cure we racism. We got to cure racism. With basketball uh, game or dirty south. That's what this episode is missing. Man. Not one basketball not game? one damn game of basketball. But he does go jogging. He does go jogging. Well, Ooh, been. I can't He's wait till that part jogging. comes up. We'll get there. Uh. Yay. Yeah, so uh, Benton is bailing, as I said. Uh, he gets a ride from two women, uh, one of which has an infection from the shrimps Ooh, on the boat hand. they work on. Ugh. Her Gross. hand. Gross. Blister. Ew. I will say, though, these two girls in the truck, they are very much picking up what Benton is putting down, uh, and yeah. he is very much picking up what they're – like, he's having a fun little flirtation with these girls. Yeah, they're cute. Um, he, is throwing, he is throwing it back. Yes, yeah. for sure. Which is great when we get to see um, Eric LaSalle do that because he's so cute when he's all flirty. Yeah. Like I'm like, aw. Uh, one of them makes he, again sense. another another very handsome human being. Yeah, mm-hmm. Eric LaSalle. He, he can work a smolder real good. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's no Clooney. He's, well, sorry, yeah, you can't. We can't win them all. I mean, That's true. Yeah. Kind of kind of underscoring my my point from earlier about how you know there's this not only this racial divide but also an economic one as well you know the one uh, girl makes a joke about because he tells her like you need to you know get antibiotics stop working. And you need to stop working basically for a week or two while you let that heal and she's like bitch i'm poor i think as a direct quote <laughs> yeah. direct quote I, from lizzie yeah. in a previous episode like <laughs> yeah i yeah i also love how she's like you want to come bundle me up in chicago at that point because i can't stay here and not work 
Yeah. And, and he what did he say? Um, I can, I don't think I could afford a woman like you. And she was like, ah! yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, they, they were like they, they were had a little back and forth going there. It was good. Yeah. Um, but just just as we're having a little bit of fun, oh no. A burning, tr- a burning tractor in a ditch. No, it's not my personal life. Uh, it's an actual burning <laughs> tractor in a ditch. Uh, Benton goes to assist. Uh, we find out that the the farmer, the farmer who was thrown a country fucking mile from this trailer or from this tractor, <laughs> like he is a solid like football field away from where they find this tractor. So he was either going eighty miles an hour in this tractor, or he was like crawling across, like army crawling across this field. Uh, to get away from the tractor maybe that, and his Maybe son. that's what it was. Yeah, well, we do find out that the farmer's son was on his lap when the tractor threw them off. Uh, Benton goes over, finds the son in the debris, very conveniently placed just to the side of the debris. Like, not, not, on, not trapped, not pinned down at all, thank goodness. Uh, just kind of neatly placed to the side of it. Uh, sends the girls to go use the phone at the farmer's house to call for... Um, in an ambulance for the boy, uh, which the the farmer goes, my house is at the next driveway, and this is how this is how you know you're out in the fucking country because the girls get in the truck to go to the next driveway. <laughs> like that shit is not walking distance. The next driveway Ooh. could be a mile away. Um, and our farmer here is played by actor Tim Powell, who appeared in TV series Ray Donovan, Grey's Anatomy, and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Hey. Uh, Eighty three. Don't get too excited. He played a cop. Uh, 83 credits to his name. <laughs> I hate him. ACAB. So then we go, complete 180, to Benton going for a lovely jog out in the dirt road with a dog barking at his heels. Um, he gets back to the corner store and sees some boys smoking on their bikes, teasing a young girl who's got a bag and a um, like Pepsi bottle that she's drinking out of. And he heads back into the clinic, says he's going to stick around after all. You know, being a hero to that young boy from the tractor really just lit a flame in his heart. Can, can I jump in here real quick? Yeah. Oh, please yeah. go ahead. Oh, one of the boys uh, really stood out to me. Uh, have any of you seen uh, Straight Out of Compton? Yes, uh, I do. I have it. I have him marked uh, later. It, it was much later I, here because I couldn't get a name for him, uh, character name. But oh, later okay. in the episode, he does get name checked. But yeah, th- th- now's as good of a time as any to talk about it. Um, <laughs> he, uh, well, you you know who he played in, in Straight Outta Compton, so you tell him. Of course. So uh, the actor's Neil Brown Jr., and he played DJ Yella, uh, one of the founding members of NWA and uh, hmm. the movie Straight Outta Compton. Uh, Neil Brown has also been in uh, SEAL Team. Uh, he plays uh, Chad Kerr in Insecure. And I think was that Dirk Gently's holistic uh, detective agency. Uh, he's in that in that as well. But I distinctly remembered him as DJ Yellow and Straight Outta Compton. Uh, Love the ladies, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another one that's on my list. It's really I good. Just didn't my check. It's getting real long, yo. I uh, have you heard our episodes? <laughs> I I have a constant list of things that I'm gonna forget to watch. The difference is I actually texted them to the group chat so they'll hold me accountable this time. You can um, always text them to me. No, because you, for, you, you forget just as much as I do. Don't play that. Speaking, um, but speaking but of the, caricatures though, the uh, the <laughs> these boys outside of the store <laughs> look like they are yep. uh, they're pulled directly out of Stand by Me. Like they look oh. like they're from yes. the fifties. Like they're practically little greaser boys. Like they're they and with the with the bikes, with the big too, handlebar the, bikes, and like yeah. one of them's got his sleeves rolled up. He's got everything but the pack of cigarettes under his sleeves. 
Mm-hmm. Stand by Me is one I keep trying to get Lizzie to watch. It's so I'm good. Sorry. It's a perfect movie. Come on. I like it because it. I like it because it's a Stephen King short story. Yes. So Along of course I do. Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Um, but then we go over Sally, the farmer's wife, has shown up with a pie to say thank you. And it's a giant sweet potato pie. And, I want it. Uh, yes, I can learn to make sweet potato pie for you. I love you. I know. Um, and Benton comments as he is eating this pie with his hands. And... He goes, <laughs> yes, yep. he goes, oh, he goes, oh my God, this is the best thing I've had since he, I've been here. Right in front of Maureen. <laughs> yeah, just, just throw, just fuck sit, you. You may as well just say fuck you to Maureen right there. Yeah. And Sally's all uncomfortable, but she's like, thanks again. God bless you. And she just leaves as Benton's just eating this pie. And he's like, you're welcome. He's, he's also not eating that pie. He is fucking it up. Like, he is, de- <laughs> he, yeah. he is two-hand fucking it up. I mean, I'm surprised there wasn't, like, pie entrails, like, on the walls and shit. He was going, <laughs> at, he was going at that pie. And, yeah, that's why I said Maureen can't cook, bro. Like, he straight up says, like. You might have a point. You might be onto something there. Saying man. her sweet her her um her collard greens must have just been like just awful, just Ugh. just gross, just wilt, wilted spinach. It's not even real collard greens. <laughs> I I use kale. <laughs> oh Jesus! No, that's that's no, no, that's honey. some white people nonsense. I would do like don't don't put that evil out there. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll reel that evil back in. Yeah, bring it in. But uh, Benton learns that Maureen makes house calls on Tuesdays. So, and they have to go to do an OB checkup on a girl out on the bayou. And uh, Sonny, bo- Sonny uh, boats him out. And <laughs> I guess that's, the, what else What else would you call it? Yeah, yeah. Ferries, ferries him. I put boats in the notes. Okay? Uh. But I think, I think ferries might have been the right word if I was, you know, human. Well... It's been spoken into existence now, so no tick backs. Okay. Um, but the the moms, it's this is like the most like stereotypical backwoods, like, yeah, incestual. Like, <laughs> if you aren't if you aren't oh. neon white, I fear that you're probably gonna get shot I, if you're here for more than like two seconds. I comment on the interior of the house a little bit later about how it looks like it's straight out of a horror film. So yeah, it's. Yeah, it's not great. Like the fact that Benton is able to get off of the boat, get into their house at some point in this episode is nothing short of a miracle. Because I swore yeah. Mr. Evie was gonna like blow his brains out, bro. Oof. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that. That's the type of vibe that's... you get from this little island that they live on. It's yeah, like... that's what's heavily implied. Oh dear, dear but, me. But the mom, the mom says that the girl doesn't need check-in, and the girl comes out and says that they'll have to check her outside. And Benton, being Mr. Chicago's hotshot surgeon medical man, he suggests they get an ultrasound and blood test, uh, an ultrasound and blood tests at the hospital, and they just sort of they they want to laugh at him. Yeah, you can tell, but they stop short of that. We don't need no fancy um, city doctor. Yeah, uh, and the dad shows up. Who was played by? Uh, played by a definite. Oh, hey, it's that guy. One I did not realize is no longer with us. This took me by wow. complete surprise. Uh, Brent Briscoe is the actor's name. Uh, he appeared in stuff like Mulholland Drive, The Green Mile, and a recurring role on Parks and Rec, where he was the JJ of JJ's Diner. Uh, mm-hmm. And he uh, had 93 credits to his name, and he passed away actually 
quite a while ago now in 2017 um so probably not too long after parks and rec ended season season five is cursed. season five is man everyone is dead in season five (laughs) yeah season five has been rough um yeah but the dad has on like basically what a texas chainsaw massacre (laughs) guy (laughs) would wear minus the mask or if you've watched um Oh my god, I can't think of the name. It's the horror movie that Alan Tudyk did. Oh, Tucker and Dale. Where, where yes, it's the Tucker and Dale. Yeah, outfit. it is very similar. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. And just dirty as fuck. And Oof. the dad says uh, Benton isn't the right doctor, and can't help his daughter at all. It's, it's fine. Hmm. I wonder why. Is is here where he says, "Oh, your kind's help her enough." More than enough. Y- yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah Yikes. So implying Ooh. that the father may not be white um the father of the child i should yeah. clarify because clearly i can't talk tonight thanks to the um, mm-hmm. <laughs> people forget that a lot like i'm just people tend to i'm just saying like you know it, it, it maybe she maybe that's what she likes sir i'm just um i'm also gonna throw this out there abstinence-only education doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And is quite prevalent in this part of the country. Absin- yep. Mm-hmm. What do they say? Yeah. Abstinence makes the heart grow harder? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Excellent. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, so that's, that's my part of the episode where I uh, dunk on policy. Moving on, Benton is practicing his sign language using his laptop in the trailer. Very, very cute. Always love this side of Benton. He's trying for his baby. We love this. He misses Reese, and he's clearly just... I love the little picture of Reese he has next to his... Uh, his where he's, like, too. signing at it. Like, just very sweet. Um, Then, next morning, he's out for another run, and he sees Jesse going to get water... To wash his foot and he's like you're not supposed to be walking on it what are you doing and he jesse's like well how the fuck am i gonna get water if i can't walk <laughs> on it and i love how matter-of-factly he says sure. it. he's just like i gotta go get my water like he's mm. getting this filthy late like stream water bayou water right. to wash that's, his foot <laughs> that's like, what fucking kills him at the end of the episode yeah. he's got like a, amoebas and shit from this bayou water <laughs> oh my god and again, maybe it, that's what gave him the ulcer to begin with and it just mm. underscores the fact that the dude doesn't have running water at his house I'm right like, what the hell exactly again it's it's like maureen said it's more than just race but in such a different way than she meant it yes um but then benton is in working with a diabetic girl who's going to become one of our patients for the episode adeline and we find out her glucose is high and he walks her through her insulin injections again and kind of scolds her and her grandma in a really unhelpful way yeah about like you, you were diagnosed last month. Why don't you have all this fucking memorized? What the fuck are you doing? Why, Why are you, you being responsible? Why are you drinking pop? What the hell? <laughs> and, like, Maureen's like, they don't trust doctors after her mom died. Be gentle. Don't be an asshole. And he's like, but what the fuck? She should know better. She's 10. Like, Benton. Bring well, it. let's hear let's hear him actually let's hear him oh, actually say that. Sorry. Uh, in this audio clip, Benton goes back to uh, Maureen's house for I'm a little excited. bit. excited. Been shopping? Yeah. Thought I'd cook some vegetables tonight, if you don't mind. Be fine. How'd the clinic go? Adelina Young came in with a glucose level of 280. The grandmother claims they haven't gotten a supply of insulin or glucose strips. Oh, Lord. The grandmother doesn't understand the routine. 
Adelina should have been admitted to a hospital for diabetic teaching. Well, that's not gonna happen. Or try a sub-Q insulin pump. Have you heard of those? Something new with them leeches? Look, I'm just trying to raise the standard of care here. We should expect 100%. I do, but I've learned to settle for 60%. 60% is failure. It takes time for people They've to... They've had a month. Adelina is an athlete, and she's probably scared to death that this is going to end all that. And she could go into a diabetic coma. Don't you think I know that? I, I don't know what you know. Maureen! Maureen, you got to come. Something's wrong with Melanie. She's been at labor and then... Well, the baby won't come. Dr. Benton? No, I want you, Maureen. Well, you're a damn fool, Eli. I can't move that fast. Just think of Melanie. Well, come on. I have learned to accept 60%. Wow, thanks for calling out my college career, ma'am. <laughs> I love I love how she backslaps him with what something newer than leeches? <laughs> that was a good. Like, that was a good fight back. That was nice. She's so good. But yeah, so every so keep in mind everything he just yelled at her about. He kind of yelled at them about in the actual appointment too, mm -hmm. like didn't really filter just, himself very much. Mm, no. I'm I'm starting to realize here as I'm as I'm like re-listening to some of these clips especially with my eyes closed like just hearing it not having the visual um Maureen here reminds me a lot of Jen's grandmother who is an, <laughs> an old southern nurse um she's a sweet woman like could not be sweeter uh old Alva like Louisiana Louisiana woman like she's been a nurse her entire adult life and she used to be a nurse in a prison and like the way Ooh, the yeah. way that she talks about that some of these uh things like the way she talks back to this guy she's like well you're a damn fool like she yeah. she talked sure she talks about you know uh some of these inmates that she treated over the years like they were like her children you know like she got, she yeah. grew to be incredibly affectionate and uh, uh, incredibly fond of some of these guys and it's just like hearing this stuff, like like I said, not having the visual. It's like I can almost picture her saying some of this stuff. Uh, Jen suddenly makes a lot more sense. Oh yeah, and big like, big like, uh, idolship there. Like she looks up to her grandma like incredibly. Like her grandmother is the like model for how she does everything when it comes to was, being a nurse. Was that why she became a nurse? I think it has something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Random side note into Nurse Jen. <laughs> um. We love Nurse Jen. We love Nurse Jen. But yeah, um, just, I, I love the dynamic between these two. I love that they're learning, like, she she talks down to Benton, is like, no, you gotta come down to my level, idiot. And Benton is slowly starting to realize. And also, can we take a minute to realize how much Benton has grown from season one here? Because can you imagine season one Benton in this situation? Oh, fuck no. He would have left. That would yeah. Yeah, he would have. He would have. Middle of nowhere would have been hour. like a five minute uh, monologue. <laughs> out of here. Yeah. yeah. He wouldn't have. He would have gotten to his car breaking down, or like once he found out that that corner store was Laverne, he would have just left. He's yeah. out. So just, just taking a moment to appreciate Benton's character growth, because holy shit, like, my boy, by the, my sweet By sweet the boy. end of this episode, once we get past that last clip, uh, I'll make I'll make my little statement <laughs> about that. Oh, I cannot wait. For sure, for sure. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, any, anything else? For yeah, you know, one thing, going back to Adeline and her grandmother, I mean, this is uh, her mother. This is our grandmother. This is something yeah. that... Um, 
this is something that really struck with me right now in the middle of the pandemic because this stereotype is actually a very it's very real mm -hmm. the amount of mm -hmm. distrust that um the african-american population has with you know with the medical community and yeah. it's one of the reasons why um covid vaccination rates remain stubbornly low in certain african-american communities because there's just an inherent mistrust in doctors whether it be from personal experience such as Adeline's mother dying and obviously there's something that went on there or you know the Tuskegee experiment it's still a very prevalent um and, and it's not that's why when I earlier when I talked about some of the tropes that were you know just really outdated this one was a more contemporary and very real stereotype that mm -hmm. still exists in 2021 and it's you know yeah. for me it's it's super disappointing that you know 22 years later um, we still have so much mistrust in in the in you know medicine and in science. Uh, I hope at some point that we can move beyond that um, as a, as a collective because you know it's like this mistrust is killing people in my community, and mm -hmm. that is something that to me like that that really hits me hard. You know, knowing that right. if there wasn't this level of mistrust in medicine that some of the people who have, you know, passed away throughout the pandemic would still be here. Yeah. Right. And that was something which thank you for sharing, because that was something that a, I didn't even make the connection with on this episode, but B over the course of COVID I've been trying to educate myself more on because it's so easy as you know, a white person to just go, well, why can't people just educate themselves and figure it out? But then once I took the time to educate myself a little bit and realize I'm a fucking idiot, and, like, not knowing necessarily about where the source of that mistrust comes from. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, well, shit, no wonder you don't want to go get vaccines. Yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. no. So, just... It's, it's, been, it's been heartbreaking, but also from, like, a statistical perspective. It's very... It was very interesting to see how things played out with vaccination rates mm -hmm. and which communities in Chicago were hit the hardest mm -hmm. because when we were getting the daily information and you could see on Illinois Department of Public Illinois Department of Public Health website seeing just exactly which communities were being hit the right. hardest and then seeing those same communities still be in the 40% mm -hmm. or 50 or low 50% vaccination rates whereas like up by us on the north side it's High 60s, low 70s, some 80s. But the other thing, too, is I know there's been some effort for community outreach. Oh, absolutely. But, but at the same time, you know, that only goes so far when yeah. you don't feel you can trust the systems that exactly. are giving you it in the first place. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's no winning. Nah, it's like even, so, if you, yeah, even if you were to put, you know, for lack of a better term, even if you were to put a face of color, black face or a face of color into the advocacy, you know, Mm -hmm. It still then becomes, oh, so you're one of those, you know, you're you're one of those uncle Toms yeah. who's, you know, who's working for or working for the man. Trust me, oh part of the system. Yeah, you know, and and, yeah. and like I, I, I grew up, you know, I, I grew up in South, you know, mid city Los Angeles that often gets confused by the white folks at USC. They always thought I was from Compton. I was like, Yo, no, no, I I don't live <laughs> They're two distinct communities, but I grew up in the inner city, Los, inner city of Los Angeles. And when I hear people, you know, tell me, you know, 
yo, you're just, you know, you're you're an Uncle Tom because I believe in science. I'm like, bro, don't you ever call me Uncle Tom. Walk in my walk in my neighborhood back in the 1990s. Like mm-hmm. I lived in I lived in neighborhoods very similar to the ones portrayed in Boys in the Hood and you know and and Snowfall, which is one of my favorite uh TV shows. I'm I'm sitting here like don't ever lecture me about like you know don't try to question my blackness you know because I I believe in the science like mm-hmm. and that right that is the that's the battle and within the community and I thought it was very subtly dealt with in this episode but again it was just like when I saw this it, it's just like 22 years later we're still here and we're still and it's even worse honestly it's worse than it was even in 2009 because we had you know when h1n1 mm-hmm. came through in the vaccine we i don't remember this level of misinformation or disinformation it's no. it's just been amplified and that's a whole nother well yeah it's a whole nother story but i just felt it's oh sorry go ahead i just i definitely I felt that when that when they had the conversation with Adeline and her grandmother, I was like, man, it's just so relevant today. I think, and that's one of the reasons why I love this show because you know it's almost like it's almost prophetic. Wait till mm-hmm. we get to lockdown and we start talking about mm-hmm. lockdown. We just we just recently rewatched it for a fun like date night just because like I was like let's just put on an episode <laughs> and that's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. good. But um, what I just I wanted to touch on one thing before we actually get back into the episode was um what i find interesting like you mentioned is that you know it's never been this bad is like it's been the whole vaccination and science portion of it has been so tied to um identity politics Mm -hmm. on all sides of the yes and all walks of life and it's been so weird to see because it's like how did we get here that's a that's like i said aaron you and i'll just have an (laughs) hour-long chat We'll, we'll we'll just have a dialogue on a lounge episode where um uh it's behind the paywall and I won't uh, anger all of our listeners. <laughs> but you 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 and I can have that chat and I will gladly pick your brain. For sure. But um, I'm with I'm with it. Let's 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 go on to the episode before I completely. Sign Somebody's about to have a baby. Again, I was right? gonna say yeah, like any ah! anything talking about anything would be more fun yeah. than talking about this labor because oh, God. this <laughs> this is fair. uncomfortable for everyone oh. involved uh, they, they go to melanie's house she is in a very unpleasant labor very in all capital letters because damn uh yeah lauren this is your opportunity to uh, editorialize the inside of this house which is a goddamn <gasps> horror film candles everywhere sheets hanging on the walls everywhere it's clearly meant to look dilapidated like the nearest thing i can say aside from like it looks like a horror film is it's like an episode of hoarders Mm. clearly these people are holding onto resources because they don't know when they'll need them what they'll need what could be of use Mm. um it's it's a poor rural family like of course it's not gonna look great but it's such a shame that i'm gonna editorialize for a minute it's such a shame that we have to equate this level of poorness with a horror film. Yeah. Like that's fucked up. I just had that thought that's messed up. Um, but yeah, it's needless to say my gut reaction was still, Holy shit. Are we in the middle of the Hills? Have eyes like that's, (laughs) I just, so with that checking myself, that's gross. 
this pre- this labor is gross because labor is icky. Sorry to all the moms that listen to us. I love you. And <laughs> I'm sure if anybody's equipped to understand ahead. what this girl's going through, it's probably all the mom listeners because uh, baby is trying to come out feet first. What the- That's what I did. Shout, shout out to baby Lauren uh, auditioning for uh, ER. I was cut. I was cut out before <laughs> they could do th- before I could make my full debut. But um, they were like, "Your kid's a fucking idiot. We're just gonna." Benton, I, what I really appreciate about not only this, but really we, we didn't talk about it much uh, earlier in the episode when Benton was practicing his um, his uh, sign language. But uh, I appreciate that we are in the middle of, you know, backwoods, you know, Mississippi, whatever the hell in 1999. They get excellent Wi-Fi uh, because he's able. <laughs> you know, that's a CD. Wrong. He's, ab- yeah. he's able to pull up. uh how to well i don't know that he's got like how to because it's like step-by-step instructions of like how to deliver this baby that he has the mother read who can't read very I'm well sure there's programs that were in yeah, the 90s maybe i don't that, know uh, they could load on the laptops that were basically the encyclopedia britannica yeah, I was just for, about to say, yeah. for medical <laughs> stuff the slam though with mr evie well, can you read this bro like <laughs> okay mom you go read it. <laughs> died laughing he so he decides benton decides that he is going to uh sedate her using ether ether uh, bro so ether. he talk about old school this is this is now an episode of american horror story <laughs> he he instructs uh mr eb to uh blow out all the candles in the home uh while they're using uh flashlights to light uh, and he does like the old school anesthesia with a drip mask over her and like, and then turns it over to so the dad. Like, is like, I'm gonna need you to handle this while I actually deliver the yeah. baby. So it's like evaporating the, the liquid into the cloth yeah. over the mouth. I don't know why I'm doing that and making our audio terrible, <laughs> but, um, it, so then it evaporates out and you can it's, breathe it like you would chloroform. It's fucking awful. And so he's, as we said, he's having mom read the directions from the laptop on how to turn the baby horrifying just absolutely horrifying foley work here uh as he's trying to get this this head this baby Uh. turn Uh, he's got both feet out but now the head is stuck uh Uh. oh no yeah this is like this is like love's labor lost by you edition like this is no. So, but it but it has a happier ending than that because they get the baby out. Uh, and depending on what your opinions on racism are, an even happier ending because the baby's white. Uh, that is a joke. Uh, I reason- would like to point out that is a joke. <laughs> um, it's really it's it's a happy ending for all involved because it means dad's not about to go drown. True. The baby. Yeah. The dad has the dad has threatened to kill mom and yes. baby. If the baby was black, so oh. several times we need to mention that because holy shit, no wonder everybody was miserable and tense for this labor. Um, but then Benton does ask if the father was black, um, and he says, "I don't." Who does he say this to? Was it to Maureen or was to it the um, uh, no? It's to the to yeah, the mom. Still, it's to the, to the room mom. at large. Yeah, yeah, and he says that lots of black babies don't get their full pigmentation until a few days this later. This is true. Today I learned. Mm-hmm. That was that was a new piece of information for me. Um, but Maureen finds him kind of taking a nap on the rocking chair in the yard a little while later, and um, Dad tries to pay Benton for the birth. He won't take the money, and Maureen takes it on his behalf. And Benton is trying to get the mom and baby to be taken into town, probably to keep them safe from Dad. He says it's to check the jaundice levels. Yeah, which the baby a, looked jaundiced. Yeah, so he wants to keep an eye on the liver function or whatever. Um, 
And I also want to note here, Maureen says to Benton after the dad walks away, she's like, do you know how much it took for him to offer you that money? That's everything they had. And Benton's like, I don't want his fucking money. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care. Like, he's like, I don't, I don't want it. So, you know, good on Maureen for filling her coffers a little bit for the clinic, but still good on Benton for standing up for his own principles with that. But then Benton's out jogging again, and he passes uh, Adelina on her porch and has her come with him. Has this random guy that's been in town for maybe a week <laughs> comes by your house and is like, hey, come jog with me. Sure. So she goes jogging. They jog to the corner store. Just can, fucking weird. I know, it's, um, Benton, I know it's weird, but can I just say from an aesthetic standpoint, I, it's great. I love the slow-mo. The slow-mo. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. into the run. <laughs> and and Benton, Benton is such a graceful runner. Like, he's mm-hmm. like... It's just like no. It's just, you watch him run, and it's just like he, he. Every stride is like seven feet. I'm like, dude, how are you doing this, man? It's, oh, man. He's a he's a majestic. He gazelle. is a freaking um. gazelle, man. And, and little Adelina is like trying to sprint her heart out to catch up with him. It's just like it's very cute. You know, it's very cute, but I was just like, God, strange. It is kind of strange and danger for sure. Um, especially when you consider how he talked to her earlier, <laughs> like. Like, and she's just like, yeah, I'll come I run with you. I drink that pop. You don't know how to do this? Really? Come jog with me. Let's go to kick it. You know what? Let's go. <laughs> um, but then they get to the corner store, Aww. and we learn uh, he's talking. Jesse's out there at his chair, and um, Ben's like, what the fuck? Why, why are you here? You're supposed to be off your foot. And he goes, well, if I don't come sit in this chair, who else is going to do it? Which is really freaking cute. And then he also thanks Benton for um, bringing water out to the boat so he can stay off his leg. Just very sweet. Yeah. yeah, Benton is making good with the community. He's learning how to be a person. If this were a, if this were a right. movie length, like if this were a feature length episode, this would be where they have the montage. Like this yeah. would be yeah. the the running thing would have been extended. He would have been running all over town, and we would have seen him talk to like ten different people, and there would have been music over the top of it, and it would have been a total montage. Yeah. Daniel, this this is not for you because you haven't watched this, but this is the boat montage from uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, yeah. Where the community comes together to help fix the boat, fix <laughs> fix the family boat the of big, Sam Wilson, and they have the big cookout. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's go into our next audio clip. Uh, Maureen is cleaning up at the clinic. Hey. Hey. You on your feet again? Well, I only got your help for a few more days. Thought maybe we could hold down the fort here and send you to pick up from the pharmacy. How's the baby? Her jaundice doesn't appear any worse. Melanie's itching to go home. Sonny, why don't you go get Dr. Benton's keys? You know, it's only been three days. If the baby's pigment were gonna darken, it would have started. Probably. That was smart, the way you handled Eby. You know, you may have a flair for country medicine after all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I don't either. <laughs> Look, I really don't feel like driving 80 miles. Adelina and her grandma are willing to keep you company. Her grandmother says she doesn't trust hospitals. Well, she must be sweet on you. And I heard they have their video phone hooked up. Mike could see your son. Mike could see your son. I was just about to say, I love that phrase. Mike could see. One, one like, aspect of the, her character that I 
we haven't really talked about yet is her face is such that like you can she's one of those people who like you can instantly sort of picture what she looked like when she was like 25 you know like you she yes. still has like she still yeah. has some of those features in her face where you can you can rewind a good 30 years and figure out what she looked like when she was in her 20s. and you can you can sort of see the trajectory here you can see her setting up shop in this podunk you know underserved community and probably having all of the like vision and all of the the like hope in the world that she alone was going to be able to come in here and save this community and like bring it out of where it was and you're you're then getting to see what she's you know what she is now which is she that's that person is still in there but like she's older she's wise like she talked about earlier you know it's like i, I of course i want 100 percent, but i've learned that 60 percent gets gets you pretty close you know like she's just I think that like as as one note as I find some of the aspects of this episode in terms of its message, I do think she is actually a pretty good representation of some things. Like she she oh, yeah, actually sure. does a really good job of adding to the story. She's like Sally from Cars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So so if you're keeping score at home, this is like Family Guy and also Cars. <laughs> we're we're keeping score at home. Yeah. This is, how, this is how you know we have a parent on the yes. podcast. Yes. yes. Except, yeah, there's just a lot going yeah. on here. Except for the family guy part. I, I, my kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, they, they watch stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they watch Cars. Yes. Yeah. Cars is good, though. Cars is the third worst Pixar movie. <laughs> well, yes, but it's still Spoken, a Pixar yeah, movie, but, so it's still worlds better than yeah, most. Yeah, it's pretty much, it would be like literally top three of DreamWorks uh, catalog. Yep. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, so we go from there. They are taking a road trip to the pharmacy in town, all the way, 80 miles. Uh, Green. Also, Green Cove, yes. Which sounds, I'm sure, is compared to Laverne, might as well be Las Vegas, but compared to <laughs> any actual city, would just be a, a Kmart. Uh, it's not even like a township. Yeah, it's, it's still pretty tiny itself. Um, but he also takes Adelina along. Uh, we find out that she has a very slight murmur and a hole in her heart, which mm. uh, the doctor suggests repairing before it gets worse. Uh, and our doctor here is another, oh, hey, it's that guy um, who I definitely recognize. Um, quite famous for playing dickheads. Like he, he, play, <laughs> he plays a lot of sleazy dickheads usually. So it was weird to see him being kind of a, you know, small town like well-meaning doctor here like that was kind of a, a interesting turn for him um he's played by actor tom nowicki who appears in stuff like the punisher never back down and remember the titans which i was forced to watch ad nauseum in high school because i grew up in virginia where that movie takes place um he played he played Ugh. one of the uh, rival high schools ra also racist coaches um, no 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 he wasn't racist he was he was the coach that he played in the in the state title game. Who wasn't? You never really learned much. Yeah. About okay. Yeah. You're right. You never really learned specifically whether or not he was racist. You're right. What you're right. he did do, what he did do, was run a spread offense, which was you know pretty you know contemporary for that time. But that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly who I remember. I, I, I saw I, him. I was like, 
That's remember the Titans guy. I really thought you were going to say, I really thought you were going to say he did run the spread offense, which is racist, but no, (laughs) turns out not where we were going with it. Uh, Tom Nowicki here is definitely far and away the high watermark uh, actor for this episode. A hundred and fifty six credits to this man's name. Take a peek at his IMDb. I guarantee you'll find something. I'm looking through it right now. Bruh. Uh, he's working actor. You get when is he not not working? You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's and he's still pretty active too. I mean, it's a lot of um. Oh yeah, a lot of one off. He's never he's the perfect example example of an oh hey it's that guy because like he's never the focus. He's never um like I was watching the other night. I was watching the Denzel Washington movie Flight, um and and he pops up in that for like five seconds as a lawyer, and so there's just you know, um. But then we get. Oh, that's right. He's he's Lynn Caldwell in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He 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 played a knife vendor in Dexter. Wow. You're gonna need one of those in Dexter. Anyway. Uh, we get the best moment of the episode. If you take nothing away from this episode, you take uh, these thirty seconds to a minute here of Benton getting to video call Reese uh, and by extension Corday, um, where they just get to have the sweetest little sign language talk and mm-hmm. it's just it's very sweet again webcam and wi-fi technology in rural mississippi in 1999 just want to point that out um well <laughs> it could he be said, ethernet and he did say that they had to hook it up special it's not like it i suppose i suppose i'm just saying the rest I, of the town was black when that call was going. <laughs> i was on the internet in 1999 okay i know what videos were like on the internet in 1999 they were not like no, that was a very, very clear picture uh, but we find out Benton is going home on Friday. And then uh, Adelina's grandmother decides that she is putting off the surgery because of the aforementioned great mistrust of doctors. It strikes again. And unfortunately, our dear friend with the ulcer on his ankle, Jesse, has been found dead. Uh, ben- Benton thinks it could have been an embolism. <laughs> Daniel uh, thinks it was Bayou Amoeba. To- <laughs> uh, Marine... Do we cut like immediately to the funeral? Yeah, yeah. Like no time to process this whatsoever. Just I like the Marine reciting a very. I a, like the I like the segue though, where um, mm-hmm. where Miss Thompson is like um, you know the the we want the what we want the sister to say a, a say a prayer, mm-hmm. and you know Ben's like who's the sister, and then they go into Marine's prayer. Yeah, Marine. yeah and that's Marine's. Yeah, so, Marine's very beautiful prayer that. Uh, she says at his funeral. So I do want to note before we get into the audio clip. So th- there is a bit of a time skip here because they say the funeral is going to be on Friday. Yeah. And Friday was when Benton was going mm-hmm. home. So he is apparently going to stay in town for the service. But um, yeah, it's, it so. is very sweet where she's like, you know, you know, a lot of us aren't Catholic, but he, he was a member of the of the church and wanted some words said or whatever. Yeah, yeah very, very nicely oh, done. And. And uh, after the funeral, we get a little cute Benton interacting with the kids moments, where the young girl says, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna I want to be a doctor," and the and the boys are making fun of her for it. And Ben's like, "I think you'll make a fine doctor." So, yes, nice, nice little heartwarming. And you taught me something. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. hooray. And, and I, have, she, I have a lot. I have I have some words to say after the in my evaluation of this episode about that. But anyway, uh, so let's uh, go to our uh, next audio clip. Then uh, it's Benton and Maureen again, once again. If you think of arguing with Grandma Dean, I'd save my breath. 
Adelina needs that surgery. I just can't leave. Well, I'll work on her. She'll come around. Finish packing? Mm-hmm. I appreciate your sticking it out here. I didn't do anything. What? Well, maybe not by Chicago surgeon standards, but you took good care of Laverne. I love this town. I guess that's hard for you to understand. Yeah, well, I'm not the missionary type, you know? No. <laughs> and I never did well with the doctor over my shoulder. This is a good place for a nun with authority issues. <laughs> What's your specialty gonna be? I bet you got that figured out. Yep. Five years ago, I decided to go into cardiothoracic. Well, no wonder it stung you to miss that heart murmur. Well, I missed it, too. Yeah, but you're a nurse. Look out now. I noticed last year I've been, uh, I've been distracted, you know, with my son and all. It's not easy raising a child. Yeah, well, you wouldn't know that. Well, I've just had Sonny the last few years. I took him in when his folks died. And... Being a parent's a full-time job. Yeah, it's hard work, but I love being with my son. <laughs> oh, man. Well, being with people. It's as simple as that, isn't it? And what a blessing when you can hear the sound of your own heart. Hey, Trimbo Blue down at Southport. How many hurt? I love the way his face bursts with happiness when he talks about Reese. Mm-hmm. It always does, when no matter what scene. Just, I love being yeah, with my he's, so, he's so proud. He's so proud of Reese. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's that was a baby talk voice right there. I'm sorry, I was just thinking of Reese's stupid little chubby <laughs> cheeks, and my my brain went into mom mode. Um, but yeah, I just I love how much it softens mm-hmm. Benton. And like when we compare to how scared shitless he was when he found out to where they compare are now. It, we brought up uh, Hit and Run earlier in the episode, which is, of course, a very early season one episode. I don't think it was that one, but it's another very early season one episode where uh, Rachel experiences some kind of traumatic thing in the ER. She witnesses a guy dying or something. And mm-hmm. there's this moment towards the end of the episode where uh, she goes into the lounge where Benton and I believe Langworthy are uh, speaking mm-hmm. of the Shadow Realm. Um, <laughs> and he has to like talk to Rachel like a human being and like explain to her that people die sometimes and everything mm-hmm. and he talks to her like a fucking robot like he talks to her like an automaton yeah. like he just has no concept of how to like explain no to clue. this small human that bad things happen sometimes and contrast that guy with this guy it's mm-hmm. worlds apart just absolutely worlds apart. Like we, we just spent, you know, a solid two hours last weekend talking all about what an amazing growth arc Doug goes through when in reality, like, you know, yes, Doug's arc is great and everything, but like Benton's growth arc doesn't get nearly the shine that uh, some it's other good. characters do. This, yeah, this is something that's been really nice with this episode, especially. I know a lot of people find it really jarring, but what I'm really liking about it before we get into the big action scene is um, it really reminds us, like, oh, yeah, there's other right. shit going on. Like, it's not just about Doug and Carol. Look at all this other cool stuff yep. we have, for lack of a better term. See, maybe this episode, this whole episode is just focused on Benton, was just them 
making a case for you. Hey, keep watching the oh, show. We have I, other. I absolutely characters. think that's it's, what it is. It's it's such a palate cleanser. And then yeah, there's all the people who hate that it takes place out of yeah. the ER. But I only I honestly find it a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Which we'll get yeah. into. Yeah, I'm getting, getting ahead get, of myself. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, let's go into the shrimp boat action. Oh my yeah. goodness. Bubba. Bubba Gump Shrimp. That's though. the first, um, we find first out... thing I thought of when I said, when I thought, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, goodness, here comes the USS Jenny. <laughs> yep. Um, so they get to the dock, and we find out the boat can't dock with the outriggers still down. And it takes at least about 15 minutes to get them out of the way. So a different, smaller boat ferries Benton out to the water so he can go and get the victims and bring them back. Um, he's getting the fishermen onto the dock so they can, so everybody can chip in to work on the victims. Um, we find out Benton is going to suture this one dude's leg on the dock, and it's really fucking gross to watch that, and another guy's guts are falling out. Um, so, it's been so, eviscerated. Yes, so on the one guy's leg, they pack it full of unsterile ice, and he's going to use a fish hook, tackle, and fishing line to cl- close this wound so they can at least get him to a hospital. And um, then he has Sonny go and get saran wrap from the inside of the fishery. He has to steal which, it. Yes, which I was getting there. He Sorry. was going to steal it because uh, the fishery wouldn't just let him have it. So he took it. Um, he also takes, Sonny takes his shirt off as well at Benton's instruction because they're going to wrap this guy's torso in saran wrap and pack it with the shirt to keep his guts <sighs> in. You couldn't find a cleaner shirt, though? I don't all think those. you could. Not in that really. town. Not in that town. Fair. So... Very, Maybe very Benton shirt is a little cleaner. Very, very quick paced trauma. Very well done. Um, Maureen and Benton are a great team. This is excellent. Whew. It's our, it's our contractually obligated trauma scene, gang. Like, we got to have one in every episode, regardless of the setting. Yeah, we, I, I would argue that the, the tractor thing. Yeah, the tractor thing. But this, this is more of a, like, you know, we're getting to see the trauma. We're getting to see him do the okay, thing. Fair like, enough. We're we're in trauma one like, with the films on. I don't get to say whose films are those. But like, do you notice? Do you notice how like every time we do one of these out of the ER episodes, they always manage to to squeeze this in. Like like we got to yeah. see Carol do the uh, like uh, yeah. trach on the guy in the convenience store, and we got to see Mark and his dad watch that helicopter trauma in the mm-hmm. hospital in San Diego. Like there's just yeah. th- there's all sorts of they, they always find a way to manage to like squeeze in the the familiar er bits even in these out of the er episodes um so they're wrapping up quite literally here they're wrapping up uh ambulance is taking everybody away and uh the uh maureen says you know we were mighty lucky there was a surgeon in town <laughs> i love how we can't help but do the dumb accent I mean, that's, that's exactly how she talks like i don't know what to you know i know yeah. but we all just keep slipping into it whenever we're doing it. And I'm like, guys. Uh, Benton had to miss his flight uh, because he was busy doing uh, the trauma here. Uh, but he says that's fine. He'll just catch the next one. Uh, he's going to leave early the next morning to, quote, take care of something. Um, and then the next, next thing we see is them uh, returning to Chicago uh, with Adeline in tow. Uh, he brought her with him mm-hmm. uh, and her grandma to do the surgery himself. Uh, she was very sweet. And we get to see him reunited with baby Reese in his adorable <laughs> little puffy coat. I love children's and of course coats. The, little marshmallow. The snowball fight. <laughs> it's yes. just very sweet. Any other episode, I think, they would have ended here with a freeze frame of him, like, holding up Reese. Like, yeah. like doing... Just like, just... it, it was just... It, it's a very sweet moment. Yeah. Yes. But uh, unfortunately, it's not how the episode ends. Uh, it ends on a little more of a down note. Uh Ben's back in the hospital, and Carrie uh, Carrie runs into Ben and, you know, 
How'd it go? How'd it go? Yeah. It went. Um, <laughs> she congratulates him on the cardiothoracic fellowship, and but he's he's a little worried about it with the time commitment for it and how that'll affect his how that'll affect his fathering of Reese. So is there a conflict coming up? I don't know. Are we laying some groundwork? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And but Ben was wondering, like, you know, Carrie, what the fuck are you doing up here? Um, she was up there to visit Jeannie. And... and she's got, like, a magazine with her, which is so sweet. Yeah. She was clearly bringing Jeannie some comfort reads and just hanging out with her. So let's uh, round out this episode with our last audio clip. Uh, just a little bit of Ben and Jeannie. We haven't had pretty much any yeah. of that lately. And eons. Hey, Jeannie. Peter, hey. So I was in the middle of nowhere. Wasn't bad. Mm. I, I didn't run into your family, though. Oh, well. So, uh... <clears throat> had a setback, huh? Yeah. The plasma will help. Damn it. That Peter, don't touch me, for God's sake. My poison. Oh, it's so good to have them back as bros. You know, well, see, uh, are they? Are, are, what, are Daniel? They, what? Are Prove they me playing wrong. with the idea of putting them back together? Even if they were, I'd be here for it. Uh, like, no. Just, eh. You know, I'm I trash. That, I think that's run its course. It was, kind, it was a little. I mean, it was a. Granted, she was still married at the time, but I was like, that was kind of a little bit of a toxic relationship Bobby. they had going on there. But they've both no, grown as people. Maybe it could be better. That's now. what, I, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about at the end of that clip because I, I told Daniel this at the beginning of season five. I was like, I'm, I'm just saying it right now that I know that mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be a, a lot of headwind or tailwind or whatever uh, towards Lucy being MVP of the season. But my MVP for what it was worth is Peter, and mm -hmm. I, I think that moment right there that last moment you can't go through this alone it mm -hmm. for me that solidifies it it's oh i'll i'll tell you right now this is this is going to be spoilers for our recap lucy's not getting my mvp uh, nope i i personally so i, I personally think but... that peter you know just being able to resolve the relationship and kind of the um mm -hmm. the, the the tensions of the past with Jeannie over the next couple of episodes because it's a it's a little bit of a mini arc that stretches mm -hmm. to the end of season yeah. five. It's it's just like you see him maturing and growing up before your eyes, becoming a dad, becoming yeah. you know more concerned about his son than his career. Um, all of the things right. that all of the things that like defined Peter in the beginning, his ambition, his you know robotic nature the it's you know I, I often and i always laugh at peter's character because there must have been some rewriting done between the the series premiere and the second episode because benton in the benton in the premiere and benton the rest of the way were too, like you know he's 
he's a hot shot. Yeah. He's like kind of hip hoppy a little bit in yeah. the air, and then immediately goes into this, this just like you know robot doctor for three and a half seasons, and it's just like to see to see him unthaw over the course of those last mm-hmm. this last season and a half. It's been beautiful to watch, to be honest. And I, I mean. Jeannie is just like, I mean, this is like the darkest moment of her run right here. I mean, you know, she's come to grips with HIV. She's, you know, got it under control. And then all of a sudden she gets slammed with a hep C, you know, diagnosis. And she looks so downtrodden and and ready to just give it up. And there is the guy that who would have thought it would have been him, you know, be there Mm -hmm. in, in her corner and to help lift her spirits these next few episodes. I mean, it's in my book, his, I mean, as much as Doug will play a huge role in post uh, five conversations and obviously mid season conversations for what it's worth, Benton's growth has just been, it's been stellar. And I think that clip encapsulates it. For sure. Yeah. Excellent way to put it. So I know you just had a little mini rant there, but I, but I feel like as as guest, I feel like you should have first crack at how do you how'd you like this episode? How'd you what you, what are your thoughts and feelings? I, I'm sure you have. I'm sure there's many. No, I I personally, you know, this is this is one of my favorite uh one of my favorite like mid season episodes. It's it's so weird if you look at the formula for ER. Uh, again, something I've talked to Daniel about. It, you've got the you've got the thanksgiving sweeps episodes that are you know the strong moments in the very beginning of the season whether it's fathers and sons the you know whether it's uh the good fight or mm-hmm. yeah the good fight mm-hmm. which yeah look away <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, my eye itches i'm sorry but also yeah i still i yes our discussion about yeah, that will forever mm-hmm. yep it's it's an great episode expectat- yeah great I... expectations etc and then you've got then you've got the mid-season sweeps, which give us our most powerful episodes, and those are usually like you know Exodus, uh, mm-hmm. the Storm, um, all in the family in season six. But usually episode sixteen is like usually just a it's a dud. It's it's a <laughs> go ahead. We oh I was just gonna say Daniel and I actually got a little insight on that on our latest interview that's coming out eventually. So yeah, um, which. It, yeah, interestingly yeah. you mentioned that. It's to give away one thing from that interview. Basically the the shit spot in the lineup if you're a writer, the shit spot is apparently episode 19. Okay. Like apparently yep. apparently if you if yep. you are uh like if they give you episode 19 it's because you're the new guy or because, you know, <laughs> nobody else wanted to do it. Like <laughs> Same with the holiday episodes. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, you know, you, you after Exodus, you've got My Brother's Keeper, which was, you know, not a great episode. Or after, but, you know, after the storm, you come in with this episode and you don't really skip much of a beat. I mean, to me, it's no. like you no. cleanse your palate, you, you move, you advance the storylines past Doug leaving Obviously, you know, we're going to get back into it once we find out that, you know, what what comes next. But from, you know, from how dramatic of a drop off you have in other um, episodes from that mid seasons, um, from that mid season uh, sweeps episode, this is by far like I would say top five of those, you know, step off episodes. And 
you know, I think it's great to see Benton kind of get the spotlight and mm-hmm. in a way that he really hasn't in, in, in a bit of time. I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's shared it quite often and it's good to see him kind of get that spotlight, remind people of what type of uh, an incredible actor he is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the range that he has as a character and the development of his character over the last season and a half, just to have that front and center. I, I mm-hmm. personally think it's, uh, it's an excellent episode. I would give it an eight, eight and a half um, around there. Uh, obviously coming off of the storm part one and part two, which are, you know, two of the better, episodes in the um two of the better episodes in the entire run you can't give it a 10 but you know eight and a half you know very very strong episode i mean you pretty much (laughs) said it so this is usually what happens with daniel (laughs) daniel talks at length about an episode well the the secret is the secret is is that i'm always getting all my best talking points from aaron like aaron's aaron's feeding me stuff like he is feeding me shit all throughout the week and then when it comes time to record i'm like hey remember that really smart thing aaron said i'm gonna say that and then give him no credit whatsoever no you've given me plenty of credit like when we talked about um the toxicity of the two uh black relationships that peter had and then jumping Mm -hmm. right into lizzie Mm -hmm. uh, corday was like Bro, See, like. and and this is this is what I think actually. I mean, I don't think it's like necessarily from this one last scene here, but I do think it's been building ever since the uh Corday thing was had to be put on ice because of Eric LaSalle's mm-hmm. request. Mm-hmm. I think that I think you know, that was obviously a storyline that they had much bigger ideas for and much bigger plans for and then, you know, had to kind of put the kibosh on it cuz he wasn't comfortable with it. And based on his request, it would not surprise me if the writer's impulse was to go, hmm, we got one other woman of color. We have we have one other character of color on the show currently. Uh, let's put him back with Jeannie. Uh, and then obviously they probably quickly came to that realization either on their own or because they brought it to him and he was like, hey, we tried that already. Maybe let's not do that. Just now kiss. Or, yeah. or the other part of it could have been that Jeannie might have let them know season six I, i'm i'm out of here like once my yeah she, she she's yeah. definitely you know yeah she's we're winding down on genie so like you know it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere between where we end off with uh corday and benton and where they do this little mini arc where they realize that maybe there was still something we could do with these two characters maybe just not in a romantic context um that the character of cleo is probably blo- probably born around here like the idea of the character of cleo is probably they're like well we need another woman of color on the show uh, we just lost our pediatrician. Uh, we need a love interest for Benton. Like, there's a lot of the elements of the character of Cleo that that you start to notice a need for yep. in this brief little stretch of episodes here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hmm, they're kind of mm-hmm. putting those pieces together and, and very soon we'll have her. And I just wish she's one of those characters, in which, of course, we'll talk all about her when we get there. But, like, she's one of those characters who should be so much bigger and so much more impactful than she is. She's basically just Benton's girlfriend. Basically. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, one, oh, shit. oh, one other thing I wanted to bring I... up real quick. Um, the other cool thing about this episode is that we're really starting to see the post Benton Lizzie friendship. And I think yes. that's a, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important dynamic that moves that that takes us clear to even after Benton leaves. Um, right. You know when when Lizzie when Lizzie is going through her awful run 
you know, after her and Mark split briefly, and it's just like, he's the confidant that she goes to. And, you know, that was, that was a, that was a stroke of genius for them to be able to continue to pair them in a way that, you know, they were, they trusted one another. They respected each other professionally, um, you know, and, and of course we, we clearly see that um, Ben trusted him, trusted her with, with Reese and taking mm-hmm. care of Reese, mm-hmm. you know, like she said, you didn't offer. I just did. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah, you didn't ask. I just offered. Um, There was one other thing I wanted to mention, because I don't think we talked about it on the shrimp boat trauma, but the trauma solves racism. (laughs) Because after after Sonny gives up his shirt, he and Benton Uh, shake hands like men, and Benton's like, you did real good work, son. So yeah, the trauma solves racism this episode. And the one thing I would like to bring up, did anyone else get white savior vibes from Benton? Well, city uh, savior I would vibes. take that more as cl- yeah. but city savior Classist vibes, but, savior but, vibes, but, but yeah. like the trope of the white savior, <laughs> yeah. but obviously yes. and we get fitted to for. I mean, we we get like, that throughout ER. I mean, the Africa episodes are basically yeah. white savior tropes. I mean, yeah, and that I mean, shirt. I don't know what you're talking that about. Shirtless racist boy grew up to be Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he went on to be the Zodiac Killer. All right, sweet. And it was the only time he ever shook a black man's hand. Uh, what did the listeners have to say? Jeez. Oh, they. Uh, uh, I also wanted to say I gave this an eight point five out of ten. I thought it was very yeah, solid. Yeah, so it's an eight. It's an eight point five or nine. For yeah, me. Uh, listeners, uh, it's weird not having Aaron's response on this week. <laughs> um, KDB says. I, I did look for yours, Aaron. I was like, did we put you on here? Um, KDB says, I love this episode. I think Peter goes through some major character development. He has to face some racial issues, but doesn't stop him from helping out. I love that he brings the little girl back to Chicago with him as well. Really shows he cares. Ross G says, quite possibly the best Dr. Benton episode. He gets to show facets of his character and humor that you don't normally get to see. Audrey T says, I'm one of the few folks who don't like episodes away from the ER. And for that reason, I didn't care what for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fair. I know that I, yeah. had, to, I had to put at least be... one dissenting opinion yeah. in there. Because for some people, the ER is a yeah, character the in and of itself are, when, you, when you're out of, of the... Tea, yeah. Sure. Oh, I, yeah. I'm going to be I'm gonna be like that in the Africa episodes. Whereas I like the Africa episodes. I'm excited. But uh, moving on to Gen T says one of my favorites. I'm always surprised when people say they dislike <laughs> these episodes and those like it. Um, I enjoy the focused character development. See also the Africa episodes and the Doug Mark road trip. <laughs> Peter was just outstanding. This See, episode. yeah, I and to 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 use something that will maybe uh, an analogy that will maybe uh, perk Lizzie's ears up a little bit, especially with the the original six, um, with the exception of maybe Susan, they never really got around to doing one with Susan. Um, but these are essentially these episodes like this are essentially the standalone Avenger movies. Yeah, like yep. you, you you know Benton gets his, Green gets his, Doug gets his, um, you know Carol gets hers. Gets hers. Yeah, I was gonna say Susan definitely has one in the episode where you think she's talking to. Yeah, the whole therapy episode. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that is. Yeah, you're right. It's her. It's her disappointing Black Widow movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Having no, I say that having no opinion, and we'll never see that movie. But sure, that's fine. You're not missing anything. Okay, that's not true. You're missing David Harbor being an absolute delight. But but that is but that is very much how I think of of these episodes is these are the standalone movies so that you can then appreciate when they all come together and do really good stuff in the ER. 
That's fair. Um, Andrea B says, this is one of those episodes where it almost completely centers around one of the staff and you really get to know them better. We have had that with Doug. We will have that with Mark. And this one is Benton's. When I first saw this episode, which was recently, it gave me a Doc Hollywood vibe. This movie with Michael J. Fox was very similar. It was a big city doctor who winds up in a small town and is taught a lot about themselves and others. I honestly think after the last couple episodes, we really needed something like this so that we could go back to the ER with a different mind. What's Mark's? What, I'm completely blanking on, on that. I mean, Mark, <laughs> Mark, you... you, you. <laughs> Well, oh, Mark, oh, Mark, shit. you could argue I mean, has a couple. I mean, Mark, Mark has yeah. loves loves labor lost is yeah. definitely okay. kind of a Mark heavy episode. Yeah. He also has a uh, shift in the night, which is pretty Mark centric. Yep. Um, and then, of course, family matters or family practice. Yep. I don't know why I said family matters. Family practice. Okay. Yeah. Um, she said we will have that with Mark. Yeah. So I was like, what ones are coming yeah. up? I know on the beach. Yeah. For, for well, better or worse. We not? That's that's Mark's <laughs> Logan. OK, that's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, God. We oh, God. We. Jesus, we were saying you may just not record with us for those couple episodes because you'll be just crying the whole time. Oh no, we're I'm gonna record. We're just gonna need breaks every like 15 minutes so I can like blow my nose and like, <laughs> dry my eyes. And um, Mary L says, "I love these out of the ER episodes." As a former labor and delivery nurse, the whole storyline of the breech birth took my breath away. They don't train OBs in vaginal breech birth. I love how in all his cases, Peter was forced to work outside of the box without the use of his usual surgical medical tools and approaches. And at ERTV Series 21 on Twitter says, I like this episode, but once again, the workhorse and su- once again, the workhorse and suppressing his feelings against people who loathe him on display. But again, a good episode for I, sure. And I believe that is Charlotte from the um, ER group. Yes, I, I totally, so. hey, I totally understand that part too. Um, there there are moments while watching the show and watching peter where like i've like perfect example his first interaction with romano like if that were me Mm -hmm. i probably would have been fired because i would have knocked romano clean the fuck out right and you and he he always has to just like suck this up the only time he ever finally gets a chance to just be like, you know what, bro, like I've had enough of this shit is obviously with uh, Malucci um, when he calls his, his dead nephew oh. a gangbanger. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for I can't wait for mm-hmm. that. Yes, hook it right into my veins. Oh yes. So, I mean, it's it. He does have to put up with a lot of BS, and you know, even in this episode, like when when he realized that Sonny was the dude who left him on the road, I'm just like, why did you not just lunge and just choke the shit out of that kid? Like, <laughs> like, like Homer and Bart Simpson, you know, but it is, he, you know, some, but, but Aaron, hmm? black people aren't allowed to be. Aaron. We're not, we're not. It's, it's, it's scary and offensive. As a six, four, 300 pound black dude who now has like legs, <laughs> I can tell you right now yeah. that if I look at somebody without, with like the slightest frown, they're going to call 911 because they think I'm about to explode. Oh. It's just. Aaron, I'm going to do this again. Are you ready? Like, no. Stop. <laughs> I'm sla- for, for the listeners at home, I'm slapping myself oh, because God. it was a stupid thing to say. But yeah. I, I scare no one. I look like a It's cop. all right, man. This podcast can't can't this relate. podcast here racism too today. <laughs> yeah. 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 Look at freeze frame ending. 
I would say having three white people and one black person. Hey, I'm, we we I'm the Benton of the ER podcast. There you oh, go. There you go. We've got our, we've got our queers. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got our person of color. I would, and, getting, then no, I, and then there's Daniel. I gotta be honest, though. Great. I'm more Thanks. Pratt than I am Benton, bro. Like, like I pop, pop it on play. That's okay. I li- I, sometimes I'm, I like Pratt better. I'm going to say this. I'm really excited to revisit Pratt's storyline. I'm getting so off topic now, and I apologize. It's what I do. Um, but I'm really excited to revisit Pratt's storyline now, knowing where he ends up as a character. Mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued to see if I like him more this watch through, knowing where he ends I up. I think you will. Yeah. Because I like I like Archie more, knowing. So I'm curious to revisit Pratt and see if I appreciate that right. development more. Sorry, Lizzie. That's okay. Uh, so before I get into my usual pl- uh, plugs at the end of the show, Aaron, is there anything that you'd like to... Plug. All right. Well, if, if anyone wants to follow me, um, I'm on Twitter at Full Time Hoops One and the Full Time Dad. So if you like basketball, <laughs> follow the Hoops One. If you like me talking about ER, coming up with crazy lists like I did recently with the top thirty. That <laughs> that was amazing. That was yeah, that was a that was a whole hoot. hoot Thank you. If, you. if you like <laughs> if you half. like that. Um, follow the full-time dad and I'm on Instagram both those full-time hoops one and the full-time dad I don't think I follow you on Instagram I'm fixing that right now <laughs> good call uh, alright well that's about going to wrap up our episode for today thank you all very much for listening as always this show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast for only $1 a month you can get access to our show notes each week for only $5 a month you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk Jerry two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 20 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full-season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and the world at that moment, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash-forwards, where we do commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345, tweeting entirely too much about cats, Animal Crossing, and Dark Souls. And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer. That's J-A-M-3-R. I'll be tweeting entirely too much about Spider-Man in the next month or so. And Halo. That's... I hope Halo. I hope I, I hope that, that campaign delivers. Uh, but you can also find me on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. New episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find the and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.